Hello everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of A Thousand Tiny Tantrums. My name is James. I'm Nick. And welcome to uh, my radio voice, apparently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's very... You have a bunch of different radio voices, honestly. I do have a lot of different yeah. radio voices. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so... And like, it's funny because in podcasts, you'll start in that radio voice and progressively get more into James' voice. Yeah, just go back and to then... normal. <laughs> but for now... I'm going to talk in my radio voice because I have a official officials to officially statement make, such as, I have a new video on YouTube, um, Painter of the Night and the Sadism of Class. I thought that title was just called Money Can't Buy Love. Not officially. Okay. I like that as a title. I'm sad we can't use the fun titles for the videos. Yeah, because of algorithms. Algorithms. Al, um, Al Gore's rhythm. <laughs> uh, Al G rhythm. He's the villain of Space Jam 2. Really? Uh, yeah. Because it's Warner Brothers' algorithm, and it apparently is really bad. Worse than the first one, which is... The first talking. one was charming. I feel like, like if you watched it now, you wouldn't think it was. Maybe not, but it didn't seem as soulless as people are saying this one is. Like there Yeah, was this action. one is an advertisement for HBO Max. Yeah, whereas like the first one, like this is... It's like, it's, look at all the things you can get on HBO it Max. It was like, we are using Michael Jordan's and the Looney Tunes to sell a property, and we're going to throw some gags in there about it. Well, at least like, it kind of... We, we messed up our, our intro already. Intro. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, new video out, Painter of the Night and the Sadism of Class. Um is out doing pretty well, but, you know, go watch it and watch it again and share it with your Fujoshi friends because they haven't found it yet. And although some have, and they're very pleasant. Really? I saw some people say, one, that one comment that said, like, you're not Natalie Wynn. It's like, okay. I don't know if like, that was a Fujoshi or just someone being like, stop ma like criticizing like, that we did set decoration. Like set decoration, we're talking about like how bad capitalism is. Like, and I wonder, like, honestly, like reading that comment, I was like, is this why Natalie Wynn is such like a hot button among like, you know, trans Twitter? Because like, is she sort of setting a precedence where every person is compared to Natalie Wynn? Hmm. Wherever trans woman has that I mean, kind of, I'm, in, in, I'm not even a trans person. I'm being. It's like yeah, you can't you can't talk about you can't be a queer and talk about these kind of capitalistic topics. And I mean honestly, I'm just like, well, you say I'm not, but she and myself immediately popped up into your head. So, mm -hmm. you well, yeah, I, I'm not trying to be Natalie, but thank you for the comparison. Yeah, thank you for the comparison. <laughs> I am an a amalgam monster of many different youtubers i think it's mostly be, i think me. it's mostly because there's you and then there's me working on these videos and like mm -hmm. it just kind of creates this kind of manic not manic depressive but you know like very kind <laughs> of identity crisis in the videos where like you really push it towards like you know um synopsis description uh kind of uh the more kind of um, relational kind of uh, extra textural media uh, meta media meta mm -hmm. like sort of uh, element of it whereas i'm much more analytical and i kind of dive into it i'm like okay let's see what this let's talk about what this is signifying and that's something honestly that in the video a lot of people have given a lot of praise to mm -hmm. is uh, people who have read painter of the night hated it because of mm -hmm. the toxic elements yeah, the of it yeah and they're like you've made me completely rethink this this manhwa mm -hmm. And I'm looking at it completely differently now. And I think that's why the Fujoshis have, who have shown up mm -hmm. are very, very being very kind. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, 
go tell hate watch hate watch (laughs) either hate watch or share it like crazy like go do something but also like talking about painter of the night like i want to sort of just throw out there like a lot of the ideas that even i put in that video i'm not i'm not completely sure on like you know like i kind of posed the question like is this actually kind of this you know analytical kind of discourse on oh absolutely it is like it does 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 uh the author mean to do this or is it are we reading into it well we did see that the author kind of was talking about the future of the series and she said i think it's she her right Mm -hmm. yeah uh she's all she it's always she (laughs) no i'm serious it's always she said that she likes her artistic talent which no absolutely yeah she's fantastic it's, it's gorgeous above and beyond like you know for a thing mm-hmm. talking about can- antiquated korean painting she does her best to make sure that it looks very close to that it is beautiful that it's gorgeous um like there are some images of song ho that you could just like blow up and put on a wall and say really? there it's for Earth. me she seems to have much more dynamic expression when drawing nikyum oh there's a spider on our wall kill it don't mean to go kill it that's fine it's on my spider we don't get. I actually want to go take a look at it. Talk about. We don't talk get about Painter of the Night for a little bit. Anyway, no, I'm not talking about Painter of the Night. I have to finish this introduction that I said before we started. I wanted to do a flat introduction. Um, so yeah, new video out. Going to start working on the next new video, which is actually a two-parter that will come out in September. Trying to decide whether that's going to be two parts released on one day or two parts released, you know, like two weeks apart, 15 days apart, something like that. Haven't made up my mind yet. That is for the future, but that's going to cover a lot of animation and uh, Disney and basically queer representation in the East and queer representation in the West kind of thing. Well, Um, also drawing to attention the kind of mythology of East versus West in terms of global standards and the Eurocentricism. See, you've got all these plans. I'm just like, yep, anime (laughs) boys. Um, And Nick's book, Gentleman's Club, is officially up for pre-order. Up for pre-order. Globally. Globally. It is available everywhere that you might live. You can pre-order it on Amazon, uh, at your local bookstores, on um barnes and noble all of those other places that sell Mm -hmm. books um chapters if you're in canada barnes and noble if you're in the u.s you know it's it's all the different ones um it's available for pre-order now in ebook and paperback and at some point probably nearer to the release there'll be likely an audiobook available yeah yeah. um also it's already a bestseller it is yeah. the yeah. the the day it went up on pre-order it landed on amazon's bestseller list i think it peaked now it, it's the extended bestseller list so we don't want to get too yeah. over yeah. our heads i mean i would much prefer that it has like much a long lifespan rather than just like a big blow up because like between the picking between the two like ideally both would be great but well you know ideally just people go buy the book um Nick is poor and needs help. Um, <laughs> but I think it topped out. I have it screen capped here. It at 27. 27. At number 27 on Amazon's. There are people outside. I don't know if you can hear them. Um, in, it, order, and in order to put best sell, Amazon bestseller on the book, it needs to be in the top 20. So, Yeah. Top 10 um, is kind of where it's like legitimately but top mm-hmm. 20 is kind of like the extended list if you go by the new york times numbers and so it, it did get to number 27 which mm-hmm. i just want to say first time author with like no social media following or anything yeah 
kind of amazing. Which is like, that's all on you and you, James, and your friendos and these friendos we're talking to. Like, that, that's all on them because you're the one who has It's the... not me, it's them. It's, so. you know, I, I don't take credit for anything that's happened from YouTube. That was YouTube's algorithm pushing people toward me mm. by accident. Mm. I didn't do anything to... I just made some videos and YouTube pushed the right people toward them at the right time. Um, so, yeah. Uh, we both got stuff going on, mm-hmm. so hooray! Uh, so today's episode, now that we're eight and a half minutes in, um, is what you've seen it in the title. We're going to talk about anime because I've been watching a lot of anime leading up to an upcoming video, and I've just been watching an in way more anime than I've watched in my entire life. And you've watched a fair amount of anime. Uh, Really, growing up, like I watched, you know, Pokemon and Digimon. Mm-hmm. I don't really count that though. I watched Dragon Ball Z and Gundam Wing. That's about I it. I watched Dragon Ball Z growing up. I watched a lot of Inuyasha when I was growing up. Not the whole series. That's one. That Inuyasha is one that I would like to revisit. My friend Robin really, really wanted me to check out Inu, In, Inuyasha when we were in high school, but the DVD sets were two hundred dollars per season at the mm-hmm. time, so that was like a no go, and it would have had to been ordered on on um, eBay. Um, because we were like 2005 or six, because she loved it and she wanted me to watch it, but it was just way out of the price range. But now it's on like every, it's on Netflix, it's on Crunchyroll, it's on. Which I have a question for people listening to this who are anime fans: Is are we still in the era of anime where they announce their attacks as they're doing it? That that's a shonen thing. Is it okay? That's that's specifically a shonen type of anime, okay. which I haven't been watching really. I did check out um. My Hero Academia. Mm-hmm. Uh, only watched the first episode, and I think... Why did I only watch the first episode? I was sick. Mm. Um, right. And so I watched the first episode, then I went and laid down. But I've been watching a lot of anime. Um, oh, I also watched the first season and a half of Attack on Titan. I actually just watched a three-hour video about Attack on I, Titan I bailed when the vibe started to get really fashy. Uh, here's the thing. Apparently, in the final season, mm-hmm. it completely flips. Okay. The fat it it's the fashiness. The final season opens up, and you're with the the other people, and mm. it spends the whole season humanizing the enemy people. And I I also read like a synopsis leading up to the last season, and just like I kind of couldn't follow. It's like there are these people, and then then these people, and these people, and oh, but conspiracy. These people. Oh, but his dad. Oh my God, his mom. Like, well, there's a lot um, of like royal intrigue and stuff going on. Yeah, and um, like. But, like, I haven't watched the anime. I'm actually intrigued to watch it now that I've watched a three-hour video breaking it down. Because I'm like, oh, that actually sounds interesting. But, like, I've watched, been watching Skate and Given, Devilman Crybaby, which don't watch that out of when while you're eating. Holy crap. Um, I mean, like, you were describing it to me. And, like, boy, like, Tokyo Gore Police is one of my favorite movies, like, ha- like period. But, like, what you were describing is, like, I don't think I could do... I think it would be way more uncomfortable to watch an animation. It's just very... Have you have you seen Tokyo Gore, please? First of all, I, I, no. We need to watch that. No, we don't. Um, <laughs> I don't make myself watch bad movies. It's not a bad movie. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> you watch Showgirls. Come on. <laughs> I've got some other ones that I need to watch, um, like Twittering Birds Never Fly, Number Six, Yamada Fun, and the Seven Witches. Um, what? What's wrong? I'm overheating because oh. I'm drinking hot hot tea. Oh. Um, I should have gotten. Some I hope you can't tea. hear the people outside. Um, but we're just going to keep talking. But yeah, so I've been watching a bunch of anime. 
uh, the one that I've been watching most recently was My Hero Academia. Before that, it was Skate. Um, I have to finish watching Skate. And I've just been kind of not immersing myself, but kind of dipping my toes into anime culture because it's something that I've never kind of been a part of. Like I said, like when I was a kid, I watched Dragon Ball Z and Gundam Wing, and that was about it. And so I've been dipping my toe into anime culture. And so I wanted, that's what I wanted to talk about in this podcast is anime, anime culture. You Mm-hmm. know and have known a lot of people who are way more who are very into anime whereas i really yeah. haven't like my, my friends that this is something interesting because you're talking about someone uh, you 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 are you are turning into someone who wants to investigate into this i've had a lot of friends who I, i've had a lot of proxy exposure into this uh like a lot a lot like my um i mentioned that you made a killing stalking video to my friend back home and she was like oh my god um, well, killing stalking is not anime it's... i think that there's a lot of crossover for the fan within fandoms um yeah i think I, I think the thing is a lot of people don't differentiate between manhwa and manga manga manhwa and i don't know how to pronounce it but there's a chinese one okay um i've never heard much of the chinese one I've... apparently it's really picking up okay and is really gay Oh, it's great. kind of like that's where the gay artists in China or like, are going. Okay, would it be? You sure it wouldn't be coming out of Taiwan then? No, no. It's a, Taiwan okay. is like BL central. Like yeah. Taiwan doesn't. You don't need to draw your gay stuff in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Every like I, I follow a, a YouTube account. Um, that I have basically chronicles the BL stuff that's going mm-hmm. on on Taiwan Taiwanese TV. Yeah, and it's like half of their TV is yeah is yeah. Gays. I've I've seen a lot of uh, people on Ta- Taiwan Twitter, Taiwanese Twitter, Taiwanese people on Twitter, mm-hmm. um, and, and like they there's a lot of commentary on just how obscenely obsessed Taiwan is with gay material and karaoke. <laughs> karaoke. Um. <laughs> I saw someone say that. Uh, People with good voices shouldn't be allowed to sing at karaoke, and like the comments were just full of this isn't this is attack on Taiwanese culture. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's something that I've, I've I've been noticing. There's kind of a a discrepancy where it's like it seems like Japanese media is kind of dipping its toe into gayness, mm-hmm. and Chinese media isn't. But Japanese media is kind of dipping its toe into gayness. Korean media seems to be a bit mm-hmm. further in. And then Taiwanese is just <laughs> yeah. like in fully. Well, I, I, I was watching. They have realized like, as a capitalist nation <laughs> that there is money here. I, I was watching gay Taiwanese TV ads uh, like ten years ago. Yeah, like it, they they haven't really been shy about it. Like about the same time that the French were started doing to, starting to do gay TV advertisements. Like they're kind of like just whatever. <laughs> it works. Um, we are going to have this furry cougar be in a gay relationship with a human man in a cologne ad. Like, no, it was a shaving ad. What? You must have seen that. It was no. everywhere for a while. Oh my God. I hate to show That's you. what I mean. That's what I mean. You, you've kind of been a part of this kind of. Oh no, that was a French ad. Oh no, I haven't seen that. Um, <laughs> but like, I, so like I said, I've kind of been falling into this anime rabbit hole. Um, and it's funny because, like, I'll go on Twitter and I'll be like, so, My Hero Academia, is it worth watching? And, like, the responses are, well, it's not that gay. So, it depends. <laughs> well, not everything needs to be I gay. mean, <laughs> unless you look at the fan art, like... Well, yeah, there's a lot of shit. That's yeah. actually something, like, I posted a, uh, a thumbnail for the anime video. 
to be like, you know, yeah. here's a preview thumbnail kind of thing. And no, can't play with that. The <laughs> first response, Nick's just making all the noises over there. I need something to fidget with. Uh, all one of the first responses was you didn't mention I forget their names, but a mm. shipped couple from My Hero Academia, and I'm like, ah, uh, well, I just it's all boys kissing on the thumbnail, and they don't kiss except in fan art, <laughs> so. I'm going to talk about, you know, mm-hmm. the shipping community that has arisen out of anime because there's mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. And um, I think it might be it's safe to say that it was even born out of anime in terms of like the modern structure of fandom of shipping culture. Everyone would yell at me for that if I said that, because apparently it really was born out of Kirk and Spock. Um, but then I would say maybe grew out of. I was talking about like anime. the modern structure of the shipping fandom as it exists on the Internet. I think that really would have come out of, like, image boards. I, I, I think that was Harry and Draco. Really? Because there was shipping long before Harry and Draco. I mean, there was shipping of, like, Trunks and Gohan and Trunks and Goten from Dragon Ball Z in the 90s on image boards and stuff. And all of the guys together on from Gundam Wing. Mm-hmm. Um, which, it's one of the, the odd things that I find about anime that's not as nearly as prevalent in western animation is the prevalence of beautiful boys that it's like not that your character your main character your main hero is you know like a good looking guy Mm -hmm. but is specifically a beautiful guy all the noises i'm sorry um but that you know he's pretty yeah, and... Like Cloud from Final Fantasy VII, like that kind of thing. And the Final Fantasy XV, the Joko Bros, which sounds like a masturbation thing. It probably is now. <laughs> and I mean, Titus from Final Fantasy X, like the, the beautiful why, boy why archetype. Why Titus? I don't know. That's how it's pronounced, apparently. I always uh, thought it was Titus, but it's Titus. Titus is like a Roman name. Yeah, but it's not. Apparently, apparently it's Titus. Um, Titus and Dromatus. But that's that's something that I've found is that no matter what the subject matter of the anime, like if you are fighting demons, if you're playing sports, mm-hmm. if you're, you know, no matter what it is, the boys are pretty. Yeah. And I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if that's just a a Japanese thing where it or comes if it's from... like this show is you know gonna appeal mostly to boys so let's make the boys pretty so that the girls will also watch I think where that comes from is less like okay if you have the option to develop everything from a creative mindset of mind like there's no you don't need to make concessions for actors who have really good acting talent but you know mm-hmm. aren't the best looking or you know tolerate a bad actor because they're pretty you can have the full package if you want yeah. Um, you get the best acting talent and then draw them to be as beautiful as possible. Exactly. Um, but in Western animation, like, the characters in, like, Western action animation, mm-hmm. the characters will be, you know, good looking, but not pretty. Honestly, I think one of the earlier kind of influences for that might have been Stan Lee. Uh, specifically because Stanley routinely berated against the idea of the beautiful, the handsome superhero. Yeah. He really didn't like 
having every superhero he made be super duper handsome. So, so you mean for Western animation? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because you know he had characters who were explicitly you know '60s era kind of definable handsome like Thor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thor was like meant to be like the beautiful Marvel character. Yeah. Peter Parker not meant to be handsome. Tony Stark. He was distinguished, not meant to be super attractive. Yeah. Um, Hank Pym, he's a scientist. What does he need to be attractive for? Reed Richards, um, The Thing especially, Ben Grimm? Ben Grimm. Yeah. Um, you know, you had exceptions like Captain America, like Thor, like Johnny Storm. I mean, Storm. then, you know, they drew Wolverine specifically to be as unattractive as possible. Yeah, yeah. And then fans were just like, no, that's, we like that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hugh Jackman can fuck off. <laughs> no, no, I mean, like, lots of people, and thank you for swearing, now we're demonetized. We're not even monetized on oh. YouTube, so we can't get monetized until we have 10,000 followers. But yeah, like... Um, but, um... Not to say that Hugh Jackman made a bad Wolverine, it's just he was too tall and too pretty. No, I know, but there's lots of people who are very much turned on by the comics accurate wolverine yeah well i think also because i think that's from the animated series maybe uh but also like beauty standards shift around men shift like every few decades back and forth it's not like women where it's like constantly evolving and constantly changing and keeping up with the times like with men like there is there are market shifts from a handful of paradigms Mm -hmm. rather than discovering new ways of being beautiful but like so stanley was very much in favor of okay we're trying to mimic reality. We're not DC. We're not making gods. We're making human beings. We want our readers to see themselves in these characters. Mm-hmm. So they can't do that if everyone is a supermodel. Um, so it made were characters. It made sense to have them have good bodies where they needed it, like Spider Man. But yeah. that doesn't. Necess- but Peter Parker was drawn to be scrawny. He was drawn to be very unappealing by 60s standards. And it just so happens that because of Calvin Klein, he's now the apex of attractiveness in Marvel. Um, yeah, because the twink became mm-hmm. the, well, like you said, the apex of attractiveness. Um, I mean, but we're moving to a market shift back towards titties in men. So um, I'm here for that. Um, and the, anyway, I think <laughs> titties on men. Um so like there's that and whereas with like like I said like there was I don't know if that's the specific reason why western has the deviation from anime mm-hmm. um or american has the And I mean that's a distinct anime, possibility that it might have been you know we're drawing these characters to be more approachable it may mm-hmm. also be that you know western animation has been for children for a very long time. It's only recently that it's been switching over. Yeah. And I've noticed that as it switches over mm-hmm. to be more appealing to adults, you're getting the beautiful boys in Western animation. Oh, God. Blame. Um, well, I mean, it's it in Castlevania. They're, those guys are pretty. But that's, in, that's, that's meant to be a mimesis of anime. It's yeah, I know. But all, there, I can't think of a Western animated show that isn't aping anime right now. There's always been a bit of an interplay, and I get a little bit upset when people kind of say like, "Oh, all of Western anime comes from all of Western animation comes from anime." It's like there was a lot that anime borrowed from Western animation, um, and it's been a back and forth play. Like, does anime generally kind of go out on limbs a bit more because it's more socially accepted, uh, culturally accepted as an art form? Absolutely, anime is usually on the cutting edge, but there is a lot of back and play between 
like sort of standouts among uh, Western animation, like Adventure Time. Adventure Time was massively influential to the point of fault, I think, in a lot of American anim- animation. Uh, just kind of the well, Adventure Time was really, I think. I, I mean, I don't know. I've, I've never mm-hmm. watched the show really, but I think was mostly influenced by like Fleischer cartoons, like yeah. Betty Boop. And oh stuff yeah, like that. and like you watch like a lot of, especially Jake the dog, mm-hmm. um, who you wouldn't know he's a dog because most of the time he's not. And that dragon, uh, yeah, the thing. princess unicorn. It's a dragon. Is that princess unicorn? Which dragon? It's a rainbow dragon. Oh yeah, that's um. Is it Princess Unicorn? Oh, it's been so long since I've seen it. Anyway, she's Korean. Um, she speaks Korean. <laughs> and there are subtitles. <laughs> no, there aren't subtitles. Other characters respond to her because they speak Korean also. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, like that kind of element of randomness. Um, uh, very rounded shapes rather than squared shapes. Like that kind of had an influence on anime. Mm-hmm. And that influence has in turn kind of influenced a lot of action anime in Western in turn. So there is a back and forth. It's not like, oh, this, we mine cultures. Um, but like if I had to say that one was more innovative than the other, ab- absolutely anime. Anime does way more to kind of push boundaries, push envelopes, kind of invent, be inventive with uh, their animation styles. Um, and we're starting to see a bit, especially since um, Into the Spider-Verse, we're seeing a lot more mm-hmm. kind of really kind of, that word, invigorating? Invigorating? Innovative. Um, ways of kind of telling stories with uh, visuals that are generally created. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mentioned Into the Spider-Verse, and, you know, there are a handful of characters that look vastly different from each other. It isn't just, like, one beautiful boy. It's a number. It's a range of people who look different. Um, well, the yeah, and I, like, I don't think Into the Spider-Verse has any, any of the, the beautiful boy tropes. Um, no, probably not. And, I mean, there are animes that don't fit that, like... Cowboy Bebop, for instance, mm-hmm. like that doesn't fall Jojo. into the... Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Yeah, uh, but then you get things like Neon Genesis Evangelion and and <laughs> things like that, where it's just like I can't tell who the boys are and who the girls are. Like it's it's not about and like it's... a gender thing for me. I'm just like I would love to see more variants in characters in this anime, aside from degrees of prettiness and the one Bara character. I very rarely see, like, the Bara character. Really? It's Gate. The big guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, I guess the clown guy, too. But that, and he's not super pretty, but also he's more of a joke character. Yeah. Um, and that that's one of the things with Skate is that the two lead characters who are obviously together, whether contextually or textually or not... Um, you know they're very twinky um all of the anime that i've kind of been exposed to with you know minor exceptions dragon ball z is probably the main exception because Mm -hmm. most of the characters are jacked wrapped but the ones that get to a cartoonish degree sometimes oh well absolutely because that's the whole thing (laughs) sometimes i love just seeing just how it like what was it it was the cell saga where trunks goes too super saiyan and he loses speed and agility because he has too much muscle mass yeah, I think uh, that's an ascended saying. Mm. Um, he and Vegeta, I think, get there, and they 
they're so big that they've slowed down. And so even though they're stronger, they've lost their agility. Like, I, I love that that was kind of pointed out that, like, this gets ridiculous some point at some point, folks. Yeah, like... because then Super Saiyan 2 happens and Gohan's just tiny little Gohan, but he's mm-hmm. strong as shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, while I was watching Dragon Ball Z as a kid, the other animes that were on at the same time, this was, like, you know, on the Toonami block... Um, it was all pretty boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just, you know, the sort of yaoi where the pretty boys are the dominant character mm-hmm. model. It's kind of most of anime where men are the main characters in the show. Uh, at least, especially from like a shonen point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the sports animes, obviously, because they're all queer baited as hell and they're all twinks. Um and and that's something else that I find interesting is that in Western animation, you don't have an accepted gay thing in Western animation. Define thing in this context. Just you're not going to find a, 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 a narrative show that is about gay sex in Western animation on TV. But then Yaoi exists in And this is something Japan. that I, I want to point out to our listeners. This is something that constantly vexes James. Like, just kind of the ubiquitous popularity of BL, Yaoi, kind of the shipping community, and yet the complete reluctance for established producers to engage in that in a meaningful way, especially for a larger audience, even if it's non-sexual. Well, yeah, I mean, that that's that's... You know, just my capitalist brain being like, there's money on the table. There's a market. (laughs) But what I'm talking about is, like, obviously that market is there. Mm -hmm. And if America has proven anything, they won't leave any money on the table. Yeah. But there is no American equivalent of Yowie. No. There's nothing even close. I think part of this is because animation isn't really accepted as a viable art style for adults in... I think it is now. I think Netflix has actually done a lot. Netflix, Netflix has to, done a lot into the Spider-Verse. But I mean, specifically, lot. Netflix has done a lot to legitimize animation as an entertainment mm-hmm. for adults. Yeah. Um, because they've shown, like, look, animation, does, it's, it's not all for kids. Like, their big first foray into anime was uh, Devilman Crybaby. And it was like, yeah, yeah. Uh, not for children. Well, and then like Castle- within minutes, it's uh, like no. Nope. The, but then there was Castlevania, and Alucard literally bottoms in a bisexual threesome. Well, yeah, and also Netflix. Yeah, um, and it's not like Netflix, you know, revolutionized and- it. That had never happened before <laughs> because you know, I, I think- adult animation has always been around with yeah. Fritz the Cat and heavy metal and things mm-hmm. like that. If wasn't you haven't watched, wasn't Fritz the Cat the birthplace of the furry community? Oh, I'm sure furries have been. I mean, furries have been around since I, I, like I, Greece and Egypt. I think like the first conventions were Fritz the Cat conventions. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but like you know, Fritz the Cat was supposed to be a TV show, and that's why the movie is just three episodes of a TV show. I've never um, seen it actually. It's 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 worth a watch just for animation history. It's mm-hmm. not a good movie, mm-hmm. but it's worth kind of. See, like, I think what you're getting at with Netflix is that it wasn't a matter of Netflix inventing this. I think Netflix is the only network really right now that's willing to see that there's money on the table, to go with your argument. Whereas, like, I think a lot of studios, a lot of network heads, network heads for TV especially, they come from 
studios come from systems where like okay the animated oscar is the okay whatever whichever one has it's the most the disney buzz. award yeah the, the, it used to be the pixar award now it's the disney award but like for other films like uh not films. except for spirited away that was like when they gave spirited away the best yeah. animated picture oscar it was like huh interesting i mean deserved it but I like deserved it but I, I i feel like had it been around earlier that would have been like a beauty and the beast situation where it would have been nominated for best picture maybe because i i think princess mononoke would have gotten a I best think animated princess oscar. mononoke was before spirited away though it was yeah. but that's what i mean is if the animated oscar had been around mm-hmm. earlier i think princess mononoke would have done that and then that kind of would have opened the door for mm-hmm. the legitimacy because you know then you get things like up and toy story 3 being nominated for yeah. best picture whereas I, I i think we're like especially studio heads because uh, not, network heads network heads don't really know less about tv than studio heads know about film um from what i'm gathering so like they look at anime these are older people who are in these positions because they've been around for so long uh, in the game for so long so they look at animation as like why would we want to invest in that that's for kids whereas netflix is managed by a generally younger um set of i don't uh, even know if it's that they're younger i think it's that they network heads have a very archaic market market research mm-hmm. structure well that's what i was getting at yeah whereas and that doesn't mean they're old people that okay. means they yeah. have, they're working yeah, with right. an old structure right. an old system whereas netflix is literally seeing okay at 8 a.m on tuesday mm-hmm. in albuquerque this many people watched this show for this many minutes mm-hmm. and like they can see down to that like amount of detail because i mean mm-hmm. i can see that amount of detail on my youtube analytics so i imagine netflix can and so they can then say like okay there is a huge market for this thing that we you know we bought the rights to from japan instead of buying the rights to something let's just make it ourselves exactly. and then we own the rights in perpetuity and it's funny that netflix um is kind of leading the pack in terms of uh, american studios developing anime yeah. ostensibly um, when they, they were so harshly criticized for their live action well, adaptations that's what I think. before. I think they did their live action adaptations like Death Note. and Which they were, were horribly received. So badly received. Not just by fans, but by critics. And they were like, okay, we tried to make an adaptation for an American audience. Mm-hmm. Maybe Americans want the anime. Let's do that. Let's and then, just and, skip the middleman. And then they tried doing that. And it's like, oh, it works. Well, yeah. And How I about I, that? And you see a lot of people kind of using animation. And a lot of the critics that I hear you kind of bleeding in from your room, um, kind of talking about like, oh, this move, this animated movie did, this animated show did really well. When are we going to get the live action adaptation? Always. Like and, recently, Demon, Demon Slayer, I think it's called, mm-hmm. um, became like the biggest movie of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like it made hundreds of millions of dollars across the world including in the united states yeah and like it made a i think it's the highest grossing anime one of the highest grossing animes ever in the united states except for the pokemon movies yeah um and all the talk was oh they're gonna buy the 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 live action and like i think it's like why why are they gonna buy the live action rights the movie's there already yeah the people who wanted to watch it have watched it they're not gonna go watch you cast you know whoever mm-hmm. in these roles 
and then go make a subpar version of it. Especially with the controversy of like, oh, we're going to adapt it for an American audience, which means, which means which we're going to whitewash the cash. We're, it's like, going to be wa- a white, white audience. Bleh, 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 whitewash, whitewash the cast. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, this kind of misconception or like kind of the, this cultural, and this is what I mean by like our culture doesn't value animation because we look down on it, not individuals, but like kind of as an overarch, the powers that be, the, the controllers. Yeah. They look at animation as, as like, okay, that's not as legitimate, but mm. live action is legitimate. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I'm more than, you know, willing to be forthcoming and say, like, up until a year ago, mm-hmm. I was, well, not, while was, I was in film school, for instance, I was very much, like, some of my friends were very into anime while I was in film school. Most of the people in film school were mm-hmm. very into anime. I was not. I was kind of like, oh, that's that, that's weird people watch anime. Yeah. Um, and... You know, over the years, I've kind of like really begun, really appreciated it as an art form, but only in the last maybe year have I been year to two years have I been like, you know what, animation for adults is a very legitimate like, thing. I think the tipping point for you uh, was when I forced you to watch Bob's Burgers. Well, see, that's and I here's my thing: when it's a comedy like Bob's mm-hmm. Burgers, Family Guy, The Simpsons, um, I've always liked those shows i had and to, like south park and stuff i know you had to push yeah. me into bob's burgers but i've always liked animated half hour mm-hmm. comedies uh i'm talking about like animated shows that it's Dram- not yeah. just there to make you laugh yeah um and i think that is the conception among a lot of people is that okay it's a cartoon it's it's looney tunes it's yeah um it's wait bugs bunny is looney tunes um it's it's mickey mouse it's for kids it's yeah. for entertainment and i will say um, it's it's only been very recently where it was yuri on ice that i watched and that was the first animated thing that wasn't a movie mm-hmm. that i watched and got really emotionally invested in mm-hmm. that i really really cared about what was happening to these people yeah. and now that kind of broke the dam because now when i'm watching anime I, like after Year on Ice, I watched Banana Fish, and even though I knew how it ended, I still cried, mm-hmm. like because I was invested in that relationship. Like I wanted them to be happy. Uh, 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 I wanted certain. Like I was when a certain character dies about halfway through, and the way they died, I was torn up about it. I, I, I think a big kind of barrier for me um, was the fact that uh, American voice dubs were so abysmally so done. They were so bad. Um, even in a lot of JRPGs to this day, like I can't get through mm. them because if they're voiced over, I can't handle it. I can handle cringy dialogue if it's text. I cannot handle cringy dialogue if it is even orated well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it usually isn't. Um <laughs> And, and yeah. so, like, the delivery for a lot of English voice dubs is absolutely terrible. And that's part of the reason why I prefer subtitles. Because um, I... I don't. Um, I know. But I can I can also focus on different things at the same time. I have a very good kind of multi-awareness of what's in front of me. So, like, I can... No, you don't. You always say that, like, you can't play a video game and listen to a podcast. No, that's two different audio sources. But if it's two things I'm looking at, it's fine. Like that's the thing about. But you can't look away from the screen when the subtitles are on. Like the subtitles that's are on. My problem. The subtitles are on the screen. I know that, but my problem is that I can't with subtitles. Is that I can never look away from the screen. Mm-hmm. Like I can't give my eyes a break. The thing about me is like I can, 
I, 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 I like, honestly, if Banana Fish had been uh, dubbed, mm-hmm. I probably would have watched it in one sitting. I can also read very quickly, like read single lines. Like I just need to glance down and I know what it's, know what they're saying. But that's not what I'm talking about. Like I'm, I'm, I'm saying that it's tiring on my eyes to just be staring at a screen. Like, like yeah, that's valid. I'm not saying it's not valid. I'm sort of saying like this is just how I, how my mind processes things differently. No, but I don't think you get what I'm saying. It's not that my mind isn't processing it fast enough. It's just that people. It's not. Okay, this line is said. I can look away for a second now. It's just constant dialogue. Like in Banana Fish, it's almost constant dialogue. Mm-hmm. So there's no no chance to look away from the screen, and so my eyes get tired watching something for that long. It's like you you have to oh, wear like right, those yeah. those kind of glasses because mm-hmm. your eyes get tired you start to get a headache and stuff i think that's i, that's I, I, I get what, what my problem I get what with you're saying is like and this is a thing like when i am watching media and this is why i can't uh, i have a hard time multitasking when i'm watching something because in order for me to watch something my eyes are glued to it i do not look away so like i don't have that problem of like oh i need to look away now like my eyes are fixed on something while i'm watching it yeah like for me like i'm very much like i that's why I love things that are dialogue heavy because I'm listening and I know what's going on. That's why I love Tarantino's movies, uh, Martin Scorsese's movies, because I know what's going on because they're basically saying it. Mm-hmm. And and documentaries and TV shows, that, things that are very dialogue heavy. I can have it on and know what's going on, but not have to have my eyes glued to it. And that's why, you know, I can listen to a podcast and play a video game at the same time and stuff like that. And so that's why I've been having trouble with anime that's only available in with subtitles um and i know a lot of anime is very badly dubbed mm-hmm. um, getting better they're putting a lot more effort into a lot oh of absolutely the like ones i've been things. watching yeah. like yuri on ice and like skate like they're really well done mm-hmm. um like i've had some people tell me that the dub for skate is better than the japanese version hmm. um because they just really leaned into the gayness. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yeah. My love for skateboarding. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, like, that's that's been my problem with anime is that there are some that I'm told, like, oh, you need to watch this. Like, Given, for instance. Um, I watched, I think, the first four episodes of Given. Absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. Felt exhausted because Given is a very talky show. And there's never a point to look away from the screen mm-hmm. and so even after just you know an hour and a half i'm like oh and i haven't been able to go back because it like it's kind of exhausting i wonder if that's why i can only only have a tolerance for watch for binging shows for two hours like i can't really binge them for longer Maybe. than that because like i do kind of have that hyper fixation like you give me something like you know a normal uh english language show like something that comes out on Netflix, just give it to me. I will sit down and watch episode minute one to the final. Remember when we minute. binged season one of Daredevil and I had like you had a mental breakdown. breakdown at the tenth episode because I couldn't handle it anymore. No, I think it I was th- the eleventh. There were two episodes. Yeah, left. I, I, and for me, it's less about like oh I'm so tired and more like I when I'm re- for instance when I'm reading a book, um, every two pages or so I'll put it down and I'll start pacing to just sort of process what I just I don't read. pace, but when I'm reading a book, if I 
usually at the end of each chapter, I'll take a, a momentary break. I'll put the book down. Sometimes it takes me longer to disseminate the information that took me to read the page in the first place. So like, that's why I have a hard time binging because it's not about like, oh, I don't like this anymore. I am bored. It's like, I need a second to think about what I've just seen. Yeah. And I mean, like, the, <laughs> it's kind of funny because like they're, they're doing research and reading into different anime that mm-hmm. I'm... I really want to check out. I really want to watch. And some of them aren't, uh, some of them aren't dubbed and other ones I've read are dubbed very badly, especially older ones. Mm -hmm. Um, Because dubbing anime in like the nineties was like, this is for kids. We don't need to put any effort into it. Um, But now dubbing anime now is like, oh no, there's, there's There's a a market, (laughs) not just there's a market, but that we are competing with the subtitled version Mm. and so we need to make sure it's worth switching over um but like i've been like should i just try and learn japanese or something (laughs) because because it's like i want to watch these shows because i want to take in this media because it sounds so interesting and like so much of it is like oh yeah i could probably sit down and watch you know like a day's worth of this and you could (laughs) <laughs> and, well, I have like I've I've binge watched like uh, entire seasons of like network TV shows, twenty four episodes, just boom in one sitting before, um, and it's just I'm like oh I should like get Japanese going on Duolingo or something and try. are there Japanese lingo le- lessons on Duolingo? Oh, I'm sure there are. Maybe um, it used to, when I was starting on Duolingo, it was very limited. I should pick it up again because I would like to be able to speak a second language. Yeah. But it's because I do find that anime, and this is um, honestly, you know, I went to, like I said, I went to film school with a lot of people Mm -hmm. who were very in love with anime. And so I'm finding that there are anime influences coming into Western TV and media. Oh, not just like TV. Like you can go through like some movies that kind of replicate shots in anime. Black Swan, for instance, leaned heavily on a lot of... Absolutely. And... You know, these kind of tropes, these ideas are... Now who's making noise? Well, that was a patron. They're allowed to make noise. <laughs> um, that that a lot of Western media is heavily leaning on anime. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't want to be the guy who's like, oh, yeah, that thing came from Black Swan. Yeah. It's like, no, no. Yeah, it didn't. And this is and this like I kind of made this point earlier that there are a lot of people who do kind of put um, what uh, American animation on this pedestal, saying like, "Look how great this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles action is." We don't need ama- we don't need anime. It's like, where do you think these animation techniques came from? Where do you who think d- this is animated? Yeah, who do you think influenced the you know design and kind of um, storyboards? Like, I actually saw some people say that. They, they don't like anime and it's fine because we don't need anime because we have Avatar. <laughs> and I'm, I'm gone. Like, you realize that it's an anime, right? That the, I'm gone. Know, the only reason it's not called an anime is because it's not Japanese people well, it's, writing it's, it. It's like the episode three meme. It's like Anakin being like, how can I be on the council of anime and not be an anime? This is ridiculous. And the Mace, Mace Windu saying, sit down, cartoon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How can you be on the council of anime and not be an anime? <laughs> and, you know, there's some anime that's just, it's like required viewing, like Akira, that it's like, I oh, you want to know. Akira yet. 
that. It's like, oh, you want to be knowledgeable about film? Mm-hmm. Here's something you need to watch. Oh, it's a cartoon. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. You need to watch it. Like, when I was in film school, I was very reticent of watching anime, and I kind of avoided doing it, even though my professors were like, no, 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 Ghost in the Shell is something you need to watch. Mm-hmm. Like, it has influenced so much of Hollywood cinema, and it came out years before, and it's a Japanese cartoon. You need to watch this. You need to know where this came from. And I'm like, no, I don't. Nah. And now I'm like, yeah, you do need to like my, know where this stuff. My comes kind from. of reluctance towards anime that is ongoing uh, was never really because like, oh my god, I don't like. It. I don't think it's useful. I had some bad experiences with anime in high school. Um, I feel like you had bad experiences with anime fans. That's what I was going to elaborate on. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so like. I kind of have been put off by a few fans of anime in the past. Um, and so I kind of haven't... I, I don't really want to dismiss it. I'm just like, mm, not not for me. Mm-hmm. That's not really a media I really want to engage in on a social level. Like, I'll, I'll watch something if, it, if, you know, I watch... Like, I loved Yuri on Ice. Mm-hmm. Um, another reason that I kind of generally steer away from anime is I don't like a lot of the accepted tropes that are in anime. And before we go on... I don't really like a lot of the accepted tropes and recycled ideas that exist in American media either. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what recycled tropes are you referring to? Um, in order of how much they upset me, the child prodigy can't stand it. I Cannot think that stand might just it. be like a fantasy trope. Okay, uh, skate child prodigy. He's not really a child though. He's it's what it, it's more of the idea that oh. There's, there are special people who can instantly pick up on a skill as soon as they have it. And, you know, and with skate is an instance of a transferable skill, but, like, this is something that kind of also goes around. Like, I don't like media that presents uh, characters, protagonists, side characters, as not having to work for their talents, even if it is something that they're naturally aptitude, their natural aptitude is, is towards. Well, see, that's the thing I like about skate is that the actual main character does have to work for that. He's not as good. Mm-hmm. Um, with Skate, though, like, once again, like, I'm going to be a little bit more critical of that because, like, even though the actual main character is told from his perspective, like, everything pushes towards, what's his name? Canadian guy. Canadian. Not Reiki. (laughs) Yeah, not Reiki. Um, it's a totally straight one. It's a, it's a fun name. Um, and I like, I really like that name, but like, and like everything kind of is about redirecting the plot to not him as a character, but his talent for skateboarding. And I, I, I just get really tired of that really quickly. I'm like, there is a whole cast of other characters who have a whole lot of range of unique talents. You can take some time to focus on them too. Um, so that kind of monolith of character, I, I don't really like. I think that's a problem that you have with TV. Yes. Because like skate could be something skate into the infinity was very successful. And I, I, may very well have a second season Mm -hmm. and so it may be planned that other characters will be explored further later Mm -hmm. and that's something that happens in a lot of tv shows and and even movies where um it's kind of movies have been notorious for this lately where they're like Mm -hmm. 
oh yeah, here's some really cool stuff and it's really awesome and I have a bad feeling that Dune is doing this mm. where it's like, here's some really cool stuff but we're not going to give you the end. I know that Dune is two movies and I know the second one hasn't been shot and I know that it cost a fortune and I know that the audience is not as big as Warner Brothers thinks it is. So I don't know if the second part of Dune is going to happen. But there might be a situation like Alita Battle Angel where the entire first movie is there to it, set yes, up exactly. to set up this world but not actually have any substance on its own. Exactly. Um, whereas that's been happening a lot lately. <laughs> Whereas, like, I, I think that this is the opposite problem. I, I don't like that either, but I think the opposite problem is, like, okay, we have one shot, we need to blow our load. And so they just kind of focus in on one singular aspect of this world rather than sort of taking the time to kind of spread out details and, like, let things let things progress naturally. Um, whereas the opposite is, okay, this is going to be a franchise. We, yeah. we need to make sure that there's stuff here that we can talk about later. And it's like, no, your first entry into a medium always needs to have the possibility that it can function as its own story, but have undertones of world building. So you don't like, let's get back on topic. Sure. Let's, you don't like the child prodigy thing. Yeah. And we'll just call it. Which I don't think that. We'll just call it the prodigy. Like, I don't like prodigious okay. characters. I, I would argue that that is not an anime trope, as it is just a trope. Yeah, and that's a big reason why I'm very careful with the media I do consume because the product, the prodigious character is big everywhere. Yeah. Um, with Unless the character has, you know, notable weaknesses, notable exploitations, and has worked and worked for their, ta- for their prodigious nature. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that's, that's the key point. Like, and, and this is, like, probably how I self psychoanalysis because, like, I was considered one of those gifted kids, um, and now I can't really think of what my talents are. So, like, I'm like, even if you are gifted at something, that doesn't mean that you just are instantly good at a skill. You still do have to work for something. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I hate, like, we talked about this, the beautiful boy thing. Like, I'm just like, can we just have not pretty main characters? Like, mm-hmm. I, 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 and this is kind of maybe me and my, once again, my own inadequacies about how I look, my dysmorphia. So, like, I'm just kind of like, nah. And, like, like I said, I'm not Even though to... on the Discord, there was just people being like, oh my God, Nick's so hot. And I guess you're not paying attention. To I that. mean, like, they're only looking at my face from my one angle, okay? <laughs> the, 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 the other 364 angles are not so flattering. <laughs> I mean,. I think you might be the only one who thinks that. I don't know. That's why I said it's dysphoria. Dysmorphia? Dysphoria. Both. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, like, and these aren't tropes I'm willing to hang up with all anime. Like, it's just Because like, yeah, I think it's unfair to just say these are anime no. tropes. But like I said, I, going back to high school, in my exposure to anime, a lot of it was media that was almost exclusively focused around these tropes. And also big into the B-elf, which made me feel very exploited. Very fe- fetishized, uh, mm-hmm. trivialized, fetishized. Like I didn't know BL was like a thing then. BL has been a thing for a long time. Yaoi. Like I was in high school during the heyday of Yaoi. Um, I think the heyday of Yaoi has been the last twenty years. Uh, I I guess so. But like having like the specific um, Yuki and Semi. I think it is. I can't remember which is one is which, but like saying like there is the top and bottom. Yeah. yeah, and like I just felt very. What's that feeling when you feel like people are putting you in a box, putting labels on you? There needs to be an adjective for that. Um, Like, it is just, like, 
very conformative. I, I, I don't like labels. I don't like boxes. And I feel like having these kind of archetypes of characters, which are formatted, I, I, I didn't really jive with that. Mm-hmm. And so like, these are less like, these are less academically critical reasons for why I don't like anime and just sort of an explanation for why my experiences with these mediums have not been stellar. Mm-hmm. I just struck. So, playing devil's advocate here just at the end of the podcast, mm-hmm. why is it that you you seem to be okay with these tropes elsewhere, but not with anime? Like I said, like there are exceptions even in anime that I'm willing to make. Um, I, for instance, the Yuri on Ice. Yuri on Ice. I no, no, no. I'm, 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 I'm at like the MCU. Ah. Every main character is really good looking. Every main is character true. is special. I think... But you're willing to give that a pass. I think you're racist. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is ironic because my biggest fear about Captain America was that they were going to instantly just make the Winter Soldier better than him. And it was going to be like, oh, he's going to need to have to overcome or come an audience, an, an opponent who is just better than him. And I'm like, we've seen that before. Like, whereas I liked about Winter Soldier was that Steve Rogers was routinely better than uh, Bucky uh, in fights, anyway, and probably mental health. Uh, <laughs> oh, definitely mental health. <laughs> um, not by much, but a little bit. Um, so, like, I I think it's just because maybe when I approach Marvel movies, I'm coming at it with judging it based on the world that it generates and also not putting it on a pedestal of what it's uh, of not expecting it to be this kind of very highbrow kind of entertainment. Like, so you expect anime to be highbrow entertainment? I think that's a big thing about what I was talking about. My exposure to anime through the fandom is they kind of set my expectations that all anime is this treasure of intellectual brilliance. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I, I realize that's absolutely not the case. Because um, anime is just an art form. The stories you tell, the characters you create, it's no different than but any also other with, form of storytelling. With the MCU, we have some other things going on, namely my experience with Marvel Comics, especially which are so rooted in Avengers history. Um, so when you see Captain America being awesome Captain America, I've read a bunch of issues where Captain America is struggling with being Captain America, where his struggles are front and center. Uh, where he is having to work to be in Captain America. Um, So I kind of have that additional extra textual baggage that I'm bringing into the movie uh, because I sat down for summer and read all Mm -hmm. literally like a thousand Avengers comics. Yeah. Um, And and like, like I was talking about the format of Marvel and especially this is especially through true through the seventies and eighties. Like the major focus was sort of explaining why these superheroes, why these superheroes weren't perfect um, what were their struggles? Like, you know, the, the infamous, infamous um, plot line like Demon in a Bottle, mm-hmm. uh, when characters were given serious character flaws um, or their existing character flaws were accentuated more. Then again, that, I'm not saying that Marvel is instantly better than other manga or anime because Marvel has a lot of pitfalls. But, like, I'm mm-hmm. kind of... <laughs> I, I'm, so that's one of the things that, like... Obviously, I, 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 ha- think, I haven't read. Nor- honestly, I would be more willing to invest in manga. 
than like kind of really go into anime because I like the comic book format better than a lot of visuals. Um, but like I was going to say, like I, I haven't read nor watched it, but coming out of a three-hour video about it, that's very much Attack on Titan, where basically all of the characters are extremely flawed characters. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like I said, I did watch through it because it, it, there were a we lot. We watched of some of it. Yes, I watched the first season and a half. Yeah. Um, because it was... Which I also didn't know that there was a four-year break yeah. between season one and two mm-hmm. because the creator wasn't happy with how the... What was ostensibly the second season of the comics, uh, of the manga, he wasn't happy about how it was structured and he wanted the show to be better structured. Mm-hmm. And so he took four years to make the second season of the show work better. Mm-hmm. Than in the comics, which I was really impressed with, because Amer- if if that was an American TV show, that would never happen. It's like, no, no, out, off the assembly line now. Like, yeah, like I'm still kind of shocked that it's it's that Netflix was like, yeah, two year wait between seasons of The Witcher. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like I, I really respect when create when producers give creators the time they need to actually make something. Yeah. Um, Game of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> I that, mean, they, that wasn't HBO's fault. Yeah, that, they'd still be waiting if they were waiting on George R. Martin, but they, they needed extra time for those two seasons, last two seasons. They had extra time. Did they? HBO was willing to give them extra time. Right, yeah. It was, it was Benioff and Weiss who wasn't willing to do the extra right, time. Right, because they wanted to move on to Star Wars. Yeah, which they're not doing that now. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> um, so that's the anime episode. Um, very, not really a heated discussion, but... Very different points of view on it, I think, because you have, have, I think, anime baggage. Yes, anime baggage is a good point. Like, I don't dislike the medium. I like anime when I find one that I like. But Mm -hmm. it's just, like, it's, like, my thing with, like, American media is, like, I have to sift through stuff that I don't like. And, you know, especially if I'm having a flare-up, I'm just, like, I I can't handle. Whereas I'm much more willing to give stuff a chance and find out I don't like it. Yes. Um, whereas me, I'm constantly on alert. Like I just, need, I need to make sure if I'm going to like this or not. <laughs> yeah, and and that's something. And we can that, call that a character flaw. I'm perfectly fine with that. Because you you do avoid a lot of things because you might not like it, even though you might. Mm-hmm. Um, which, as an author, is something that you should. I work on. I had a few instances where I devoted my heart and soul to properties, um, and we won't say what properties they are. But then since kind of fizzled out into things that I didn't like or became things that I didn't like or went in directions that I very didn't like. And it wasn't that I felt betrayed by the creators because it's their creation. They can do what I want. Um, Unless it's a case like Disney, in which case, no, you're not creators. You are hashing out things that have already been created and redeveloping things, whatever. Um, But it's just like, it's, it's a very emotion, a lot of emotional work for me to be invested in something in the first place. And it, it, it's, it, I, I can't describe it. I don't know. Yeah. See, I'm lucky. I can just, you know, sit down, watch five seasons of Six Feet Under, and then, <laughs> you know, ball my eyes out at the last episode, and then the next day start watching True Blood. So yeah, I I need a lot of time to process the emotions in my media. <laughs> so like I'm still processing Yuri on Ice. <laughs> God, Yuri on Ice isn't even sad. Uh, I know, but just like disseminating the feelings and kind of processing things, like it just takes a lot of time for me. You need drugs. 
or a therapist. Like why is that a why therapist. is that a bad thing? Why is that a bad thing? We live in a you we live in a media creation landscape. You must be always But you know what? I think that as an author that benefits my media because I'm not going to make something that is just meant to be moved on. Like I'm not something that is meant to be like, "Oh, I read this. It was fine." Like you you watched me while I, you you were literally watching me while I was writing it sometimes. Um like I struggled really hard to find as many ways to kind of stuff I don't think most authors. No, absolutely plan. not. Absolutely not. But I'm saying like as a cre- I'm not sort of saying like I'm not like other authors. I'm saying like I think that's the reason why a lot of authors do kind of beat themselves over the head because they are trying to find ways to make sure that their media, the media that they create is something that can be appreciated over time. And I think having the ability to kind of like really kind of de- slowly disseminate information helps me do that. I think that's a whole other discussion for a completely different podcast. Um, so... This is the end of the anime podcast now. I've repeated myself again. Thank you guys so much for listening. No, we're gonna we're gonna end this like Lord of the Rings three. Like <laughs> there, it. Oh, that's every one of these podcasts. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, go check out the new video on YouTube, Painter of the Night and the Sadism of Class, and go pre-order Nick's book, Gentlemen's Club. Uh, Listed under N.T. Hergot, H-E-R-R-G-O-T-T. Which, discussing myself as an author, was not a deliberate self-promotion. That's just a tangent. Anyway. (laughs) Which is available for pre-order everywhere that you can pre-order a book. So go do that. Pre-order multiple copies. Or reach out on Twitter or something if you want to pre-order a signed one. Oh, that's a possibility. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. So (laughs) thank you guys so much for listening. Mm -hmm. We will be back next week with an episode on time travel. Yeah. Yeah. About time travel. So last week we did an episode on time travel because it's time travel. Time travel. (laughs) Tomorrow is yesterday. All right. Thanks for listening. My name is James. I'm Nick. Have a good one. Bye.